Welcome to Wildly Wealthy Life, the show that's all about exploring the different paths to a life of freedom and fulfillment and how that ripples through your personal life, family life, and to the community. Join husband and wife power couple Lee and Kat Hughes as they share people's stories from different backgrounds and lifestyles about what it means to live a life well lived. Tune in and take that first step to becoming the best version of yourself, personally and professionally, here on Wildly Wealthy Life. I think there's a lot to couples' finances. We should dive in and and just talk to more couples. And I talked to 100 couples and just realized how insane everybody was. Everybody was doing it a different way. And I was like, wait a second, there is no normal anymore. And in fact... A lot of couples our age were choosing not to combine their finances 100% because they had these desires of like, I just want this side or I want to do a little bit here. I want to build this business or whatever it may be. And that put me on this idea. I was like, wait a second, there may be a real opportunity for us to think about this differently. And when I stepped back and looked at the research, you know, it's like when you see the micro pattern and then you're like, wait, is this really true? And you step back and you're like, whoa, that's so obvious. That was really what it was. And I think the number one metric that I pay attention to is that our parents' generation was 70% of the time a single income household. And our generation, 70% of the time, is a dual income household. And so if you just think about that pendulum shift, it's just completely changed the dynamics around money and relationships. All right, and welcome again to Wildly Wealthy Life Podcast. This is Lee, your host, and my lovely, amazing. <laughs> Great smiling redheaded wife okay. and co-host is ready to bring on our next guest. Kat, who do we have the pleasure of speaking with today? Today we have Aditi Shaker. She has had over 12 years of experience at a venture-backed startup called General Assembly and Guild Education. She serves as executive director at a world's leading social entrepreneurship organization called Ashoka. She's been featured in Forbes and Harvard Business Review. She's passionate about helping couples get financially educated. And my favorite thing about her, well, other than I just found out that she has lived in Manila for three years, so we have a connection there. But the other favorite thing was that I saw that she's got a dog named Goose because we have a cat named Goose. Yeah. <laughs> no way. That was amazing. I have to say it's the most popular pet name. Whenever we, we meet people and they're like, wow, that is such a smart pet name. Can I use that? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I love that. We didn't even know it was popular. It's just that our cat literally looks like Goose from Captain Marvel movie. Oh, so we so named cute. him after after that. So his name yeah. is Goose. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, mine mine is mine was uh, called Goose because I called everyone Silly Goose. Oh. And, but it actually turns out he's he's a very dark gray. So some people joke that he's the gray goose. <gasps> that's so cool. Nice, I love nice that. <laughs> well, Aditi, thank you for being with, that, with us yeah. here today. We really love that you're here because we're so excited to chat with you. Can you tell us a little bit about um, just what you do, like what you're doing now and kind of like what you did to yeah. kind of get to where you are? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. So I am actually the founder and CEO of Zeta, and Zeta is a tool that helps young couples and families figure out their finances. And we, my team and I, we started by building what we call a personal finance manager for couples so that they could understand how they were navigating money together in a more clean and easy way and use technology to actually help them do that. 
But now we're starting to build a modern day joint account for couples. And we're a few weeks out from launching that. And, and our goal is to make it really just take over the jobs that a lot of couples have to do around finances so that we can help them use technology to just get smarter and more effective with their money. Your second question about how I got here is a very long and complicated story, but <laughs> the TLDR version yes. is that I did a lot of different things. I grew up in a lot of different places in the world. I went to school for a double degree in business and psychology because I told my mom I was going to grow up to be a benevolent dictator, and she was like, out of here. Calm down. And, and I, I decided uh, to graduate and, and actually spent the first five years of my career in social impact. And I'm really glad I did that, honestly, because it was hard growing up. I'd grown up in, in environments that, you know, where I was constantly exposed to folks who didn't have access to everything they needed to be successful. And so I was really deeply moved by being a part of that impact movement. But the challenge for me was nonprofits didn't work as fast or move as quickly as I wanted them to. Mm. And so joining tech about, gosh, I don't even want to date myself, but like 10, 15 years ago, allowed me to really understand how to use technology to help drive that impact at a much faster clip. And so that's really what I'm trying to do with Zeta is like bring those two worlds together and bring my technical expertise and my sort of impact expertise and try to help the everyday American family. Yeah, what I really like is, well, what I wish actually is that we had, you had done this like 16 years ago when we first got married. Uh, <laughs> that would have probably made our life a lot easier. Yeah, looking at the tools on, on Zeta and yeah. the other areas that you're working on, it's just awesome. And you seem like you have a really awesome team that you've pulled together too. Is that all just personal connections or people you've worked with or how did that team come together for you too? Yeah. So, so I have two theses on teams. Like the first is um, I actually learned this from one of my family members who thinks a lot about this. One of the things he really encouraged us to think about is how to genetically engineer your teams. And what that means is I think everyone, when you're going to hire folks, everyone's obsessed with like, I want the best product manager. I want the best developer. And that's actually not what I care about. What I really care about is that I want the best combination of folks together. So I am someone who's really good at saying, hey, I want us to get here in three years and I know we have to do X, Y, and Z to get there. But sometimes the day-to-day is where I break down. So the person I need to compliment me is someone who comes in and says, okay, what does that mean today? What does that mean tomorrow? What does that mean the day after? And so when I say genetically engineer a team, I mean, really combine, bring a group of people together who I thought would work really well together. And it was really important to me to make sure no one had ego. Uh, I think ego is a really hard thing when you're a small team trying to make big things happen. And folks are really just like willing to be honest and open with each other. We have like a noble uh, concept in our team where you say how you feel and if somebody offends you or oversteps or whatnot, you, you speak up. And the other thing that was really important to me is I believe we're building a product for the average American, and therefore, we need a real diversity in our team. So we thought not just about gender diversity or racial diversity, but we thought about socioeconomic diversity as well Mm -hmm. and sexual orientation. And because when you think about all of those factors, our product development process is so much better because everybody comes at it from their personal biases and their personal experiences. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If my partner suddenly just asked to start sharing money, that would really creep me out. Here's some ideas on how to think about that. So it's been really, really fruitful for us in our sort of process of of building Zeta and developing the product to have a team that is really diverse. Wow, that approach is so awesome. 
I like that's just a, an approach actually that I just personally have probably it's like a little bit newer for me like with the way you just explained that that is that is just a beautiful process and also just the culture that you're establishing is really awesome I think it's really important for when you're leading a, a team to establish a really good atmosphere and the culture that you establish gets carried on you know people really catch on to that and so and also like obviously you have that responsibility of really exercising it and modeling it you know you can't just be saying one thing and then doing another yeah and mind you some days were like i remember yeah. you know there was the early on when we were building zeta um one of my product managers uh, one of the things that we've noticed about couples is that they merge their finances or they manage their finances very differently yeah. and typically there's sort of these three models that they follow which is they put everything together they keep it all apart or they do something that like some version of the in-between where some is together and some is apart. And so, you know, I, my husband and I are the middle. We have some together and some apart. So I was talking a lot about the things I wanted from the product and my product manager turned to me one day and she said, Hey, I think we're building too much of this product for you. We need to pull back and build for the other people. And that was a real like, Whoa, a very sort of stark moment in our, our team development, but it was a very important moment because it's in that moment, I was like, whoa, you're right. You know, it's not just me. I'm only a third of that segment. There's, there's mm -hmm. the two other segments we really have to think about. So it's been, it's been a challenge some days and it's been good for all of us. I think it, it keeps us all on our toes. And I think it really shows like our team has been together for three years and, and building this and developing this. That's yeah. really awesome too. Cause like, you know, you, you go into this building it, you're kind of leading the charge and everything. So then of course everything is perfect how you're putting things together and then someone throws it at Never. you like wow oh, wow what how it's never how perfect are you okay. <laughs> never <laughs> it's perfect. Like, yeah but then it's just like whoa that is a really good point i never thought about that and yeah and like i think like for my wife and i like we we kind of merge everything together i like to try to like pull some money to the side but it always seems to like start <laughs> going back <laughs> um, but uh yeah it's just because you know i like to Spend on you know random things like a little coffee here or there or something and toys, toys or <laughs> gaming toys. Yeah. <laughs> and I could I could talk about couple dynamics all day, but we see that we see some couples who put it all together and then they actually give themselves like mini allowances mm. that they is like their fun money so to speak. So you know it can be different amounts for different couples, but it's a it's a really great idea. And how? What was the the catalyst for all of this? Like, why why did you yeah. get into this? You know, from the start. Yeah. So there's so many levels to this, but I think it all started when I was very young. My parents got divorced, and a big part of their divorce was around finances. And then as I grew older, uh, I was just nerdy about personal finance. Like I was always the Indian kid at school, being like, "Hey guys, what's your starting salary going to be? How are you going to budget?" And people were like, "You better <laughs> shut your mouth." Like. Nobody wants to to talk about that. Um, but I, I just didn't know. Like culturally, I didn't realize that that was not things you talked about. So I was like, whoa, let's talk, you know. And then when I started working in startups, I was the kid who was like, well, this is what I'm doing with my budget. This is how I'm investing in the market. This is what I'm thinking about. I, I think I, I like naturally was built for this, if, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And, and when I was at General Assembly, actually, um, in New York, I started teaching personal finance to our colleagues and then to the student body in New York. And at the same time, my husband and I were moving in together. We were dating and we had moved in together. He was a PhD student. He earned $25,000. 
And I was a tech worker and I was making significantly more money. And the two of us were trying to figure out how should we manage our finances? Because mm-hmm. if you look at the two of us, he's more of a spender and I am more of a like a, an investor. Like I will spend the money if I make the money, but otherwise I don't want to spend the money. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really, really interesting dynamic to, to sort of try to navigate while we were making these different amounts of money. So I did what I joke every good millennial would do, which is I went to Google and I said, Google, how should we do this? You know, and Google took me to Oprah, Oprah.com. And she talked about some very traditional models of merging your finances that are, I, I think, deeply inspired by her financial expert, Sue Zorman. And so I was like, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I don't connect with this. I don't, I don't feel like this is the right way. And don't get me wrong. Like, I love me some Oprah, but like, I just, I didn't connect there. So I was like, hmm, I think there's a different way to do this. And, and my husband and I talked it through. And like I said, we decided that we were going to have shared expenses and personal expenses to navigate those those money dynamics. And so fast forward, when I started doing that, I thought we were super abnormal. I was like, no one else does what we do. Don't tell anyone we did this because like, God forbid, they're going to be like, what is wrong with you people? You're like going to destroy your relationship, blah, blah, blah. People love to judge, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a few years ago, I was like, you know, I think there's a lot to couples finances. We should dive in and, and just talk to more couples. And I talked to a hundred couples and just realized how insane everybody was. Everybody was doing it a different way. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, there is no normal anymore. And in fact, a lot of couples our age were choosing not to combine their finances a hundred percent because they had these desires of like, I just want this side, or I want to do a little bit here. I want to build this business or whatever it may be. And that put me on this idea. I was like, wait a second, there may be a real opportunity for us to think about this differently. And when I stepped back and looked at the research, you know, it's like when you see the micro pattern and then you're like, wait, is this really true? And you step back and you're like, whoa, that's so obvious. That was really what it was. And I think the number one metric that I pay attention to is that our parents' generation was 70% of the time a single income household. And our generation, 70% of the time is a dual income household. And so if you just think about that pendulum shift, it's just completely changed the dynamics around money and relationships. And that's really what we're tapping into. Wow. So with your, just, you know, your background and your research and what you've done so far, what would you say is like, I mean, obviously there's so many varied, right? Like the way people, couples handle their money. What would you say is like the most popular way right now of really handling money? And what's, what's the one that's kind of like worked really well the most? <laughs> so people, I get asked this question all the time. And, you know, I, I actually joke because when I go to investor meetings, at the end of every single meeting, they're like, so this is what my partner and I do. What do you think? <laughs> I always laugh because I'm like, well, you know, I'm really not Oprah yet. So. <laughs> they're like, you just want your approval. You think, you think it's good? <laughs> Give me a little validation one way or the other. You know, as Oprah says, everyone needs validation, right? right? But but what we found, and this is an annoying answer, but we've actually, so we have, you know, several thousands, tens of thousands of couples on Zeta. And what we found very annoyingly is that it's 33, 33, 33. And so couples are really sort of either putting it all together, 33% of the time, keeping it completely apart, and 33% of the time um, doing sort of what we call that yours, mine, and ours approach. 
there's some research to suggest that you should put it all together. And there's some research to suggest that you should follow the yours, mine, and ours approach. But the reason that we don't try to be prescriptive with couples is because what we found, and I've ta- at this point, I've talked to like thousands of couples, is what we found is it's a very personal decision. So in our case, I remember really, and I try to use myself as an example because I'm willing to tell you guys the, the nitty gritty of my most horrible feelings. But in our case, when my husband and I moved in together, even though I was making a lot more money, one of the things that made me really anxious was I was like, babe, if I pay the majority of the rent, for example, and then you were to go out tomorrow and buy a $200 sweater at J. Crew, that would really make me angry. And I told him that. I was like, that's the truth. And I, I, I hate that I would feel that way, but I would. And I want you to know that. And so, you know, him and I came to that understanding of not putting everything together because he was like, I realized that my spending tendencies might make you really uncomfortable and it might stop you from being able to do the things that you want to do. And it's really interesting because even today, just, just you know, as the, the economy is like trying to figure itself out and the stock market went down, he was like, man, I wish I could put a bunch of money into the stock market that I'd saved up and not like earmarked for something very important. And I was like, I have some, I could do it. And he was like, it's, it's fun to see that story later, you know, but, yeah, but yeah. the reason I tell you guys this story is because I think... I think it's a really sort of personal decision and a personal conversation. And it's really important that both people talk about it. Because to my husband, he was like, my parents never kept things apart. So it feels weird to me to do that. So how do we do that in a productive way? Mm -hmm. And so in our case, we have things that we put together. Um, So every month when each of us earns any income, we put it into, we put some money into our personal accounts and some money into our shared accounts. And our shared accounts, we put money towards our shared savings as well. Mm -hmm. So the fun thing is when the stock market went down a few weeks ago, he turned to me and he said, why don't you take some money from the shared savings and start to put it towards the investment, which is a really fun thing to do because then we sat and talked about which stocks we wanted to invest in and how we wanted to do it. And it brought us a lot closer to that's awesome. And what kind of, um, just uh, talking about investments, what are your like kind of like investment strategies and just the things that you do to kind of help you further with your financial, you know, um, independence? So I think one of my favorite, so I'm not a financial advisor and I, mm-hmm. I so, you know, whatever I say here, you should take with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. but my, my investment strategy is really all about common sense. And what I mean by that is what we found is most couples, and, and this is true of individuals too, The first step is just getting started. Everyone's like, I don't know where to get started. I don't know how to get started. And I remember when I, my first job out of college, I made $30,000. And I did the very smart thing of living at home. So I didn't pay rent. So I made this goal that every month I would put $100 towards my retirement account. And I would try to save $1,000, which was very aggressive on a $30,000 salary. Um, I didn't always hit it every month, but essentially what that allowed me to do was suddenly, you know, six months in, I had more money than I'd ever had in my life. Like more than $3,000 was like, what? This is amazing. Um, And so I said, okay, great. How do I start to invest this. So I emailed my whole family and I was like, hey guys, everybody give me your best ideas for investing. And basically everyone came back and said, buy an index fund. And I was like, that feels really boring. <laughs> but actually that was good advice. You yeah. know, if you have if you have $3,000, it probably makes sense to go buy a mutual fund or an index fund or, or tap into some sort of ETF. But in my case, 
I really wanted to get smart about investing um, and, and I wanted to dive into it. And I have the personality where I'm willing to take a risk. As you can tell, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm not afraid of risk. And yeah. so I decided that I was actually going to go and participate in the stock market. But my only rule to myself was that whatever money I put in, I can't take out for five years. Mm. So that allowed me to build a really simple way. So the, the sort of ritual that I created was I said, every New Year's, I'm going to put money into the stock market. So in December, I sit down and start thinking about every every place that I want to invest. And then in January, I actually make the investments. And that's what I did for the first five years of my career or so. And it was amazing. And my portfolio has done very well, as you can imagine, because I just, I, I did a very common sense approach where, and it, mind you, not a very systematic one, but just one that made sense to me where I was like, what are the products that I use on a daily basis that I really love and I really believe have long-term value. And I invested in things like Starbucks. I invested in uh, Facebook uh, <laughs> when Facebook first IPO'd, you know. I invested in, I can't even remember all of them, Coca-Cola and Costco. Um, and so those were, those were some of the companies that I thought about. And when I put my money in many years later, I've made quite a return on all of those yeah. investments. I think the only investment I've ever lost money on was uh, Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's yeah. awesome is I think that's great advice in itself because you have to really, you have to be interested in your investments and you, you want to have some kind of a, a buy-in, whether it's emotional or, you know, what, what something that you use every day because you're going to just naturally kind of like pay attention to it and look at it and be in it to win it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, there's so many people that like, again, like you said, don't know where to start. And I think index funds are kind of like a safe bet, but then you have to really look at yourself and say like, oh, well, I really like X, Y, Z. You know, I'm a coffee bean person versus a Starbucks person, so I'm going to go that way versus that, or, you know, I just caused a war. I'm, like, I'm going to get hate <laughs> about Starbucks after this, aren't I? <laughs> but, you know, one thing I would emphasize is like, there are a lot of people in the world, like I would call myself yeah. a financial nerd, so I like to go read, you know, stock prices and look at the history and understand the ins and outs. That's fun for me in a way that most people probably don't. And so I think it's really important to emphasize that you got to figure out what's right for you. Like if you're like a set it and forget it kind of person, don't go into the market, like go invest in the funds, you know, and, and yeah. find some mechanism to do it that way. Do robo advising or investing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're somebody like, I like to be nerdy and I'm not afraid because investing in the market sometimes is like legal gambling. And so I'm like, you also have to acknowledge that you might just lose all your money. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a really scary feeling. One of my best friends, He's the complete opposite of me. He just keeps hoarding cash. And I'm like, what are you doing, my friend? You can't keep all of this in cash. And Corona happened. And he's like, you see? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a really funny situation. But, but, you know, each of us has to figure this out uh, for ourselves. And I think in his case, he was like, for me, none of this automatic stuff works. I just need an advisor who sits down with me and talks to me about it and really understands my risk appetite before they put my money into the market. And that makes complete sense. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. what I'm really uh, gathering from that is really, it's just, you have to know yourself. That's pretty much it. Exactly. You know, Some people don't like to be emotional about where their money goes. Some people want to be, you know, and it's not, exactly. it's not a good or bad thing. It's just literally figuring out because there's so many, you know, there's so many knowledge and wisdom out there that you can grab from books to podcasts to everything these days now, you know, it's just a yeah. uh, crazy amount of information. 
And it's a matter of like figuring out what is right for you because this is like, even with you, with the couples, you know, it's like, there's just so many ways to handle finances between two people. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's pretty amazing that you guys are able to kind of, you know, narrow down to like the 33, 33, 33. I just, I just love that. Kind of like moving forward to, I love like just your passion for, you know, getting um, couples to be financially educated and tr trying to figure that stuff out because the money piece in a relationship is very important. And as you said, you know, just with your experience, it's really good to have that correct so that your relationship doesn't um, get affected by that. What other areas of, I know you love finance, what other areas of just like in your life that you kind of like really love serving into or giving into? I am a big believer in deep relationships. My husband and I joke that I can't like more than five people at one time because I'm that person who just like likes to invest deeply in five relationships and that's it. Because I I really believe like, you know, and, and this is a funny example, but one of my best friends is a chef in New York City, as you can imagine, and her entire life has been turned upside down. Yeah. Both her and her partner are chefs and they're expecting a baby in a few months and they're panicking because their personal businesses are falling apart. Mm -hmm. Her and I talk every single day and we probably talk more than either of us have time for and be more than any normal human being should talk. But what, what we, the reason that we do it is because the two of us are just there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Irrespective of what happens, you know, we're there for each other. And so I think for me personally, I get a lot of joy and a lot of satisfaction around those relationships and around our two dogs. And so I'm like, if I have relationships and those two dogs, I'll be happy for life. So when I really think about where to invest and how to invest, that's sort of what comes to mind. And then I think on a personal note, for me, I need to feel like the work that I'm doing is trying to even the playing fields. I think Capitalism has a lot of pros and has done a lot for this country, but it's also left a lot of people behind. And yeah. that really, that hurts uh, to watch because I, I got to grow up in some of those environments, you know, and, and so it's really important to me to be a part of trying to write that just a little bit to whatever part that we can do. So that's sort of how I think about my, my life. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I just love the... I mean, deep relationships are so hard to come by nowadays when we are so distracted with, you know, social media and how it feels like everybody is your friend, but it's really not, you know, a lot of people are just really yeah. mere acquaintances. And so yeah. I love that exactly. you shared that because I think that I would love to kind of emphasize that to our listeners too. You know, one thing for us, like even us to like think about, you know, is that what are the relationships that we have that are really deep in a sense that we really have real conversations and it's not yeah. just superficial conversations you know and especially like I think it's the whole like I think we're friends because I always comment I always like your photo you know <laughs> but but it's really not it's so yeah. completely different and so I love that you share that so yeah um what would be your kind of like your three actionable tips to our listeners to for them to pursue their version of a wildly wealthy life so the first is, I think you really have to know the life you want. And, and my husband actually always says this to me. Is he's like, babe, you woke up and like you were born and you knew what you wanted. 
And I'm like, you're right. I really did. But I think not knowing what it's the, which life you're trying to go after is a thing that a lot of our generation struggles with. And, you know, my husband, for example, it took him a while to figure out where he wanted to invest his time and his energy. And he was like, I think it comes so easy to you that to you, it's almost like bizarre that I can't figure it out. Um, which is a really important piece of feedback. But I think even as I've talked to so many other folks in our generation, a lot of them don't know. And I think it takes time to figure that no out. The other thing is that I think once you know what you want to do, the number one person I found typically stopping you is yourself. And I, I don't mean, I, I don't want to sit here and be like a spiritual guru and be like, go live the life you want. You can be anything. Like life is hard. Things cost money. Like it's not easy to be that person all the time. But I think what I've found is that more often than not, it's fear that stops people mm-hmm. from charging ahead. Yeah. And so to give you very concrete examples, you know, I remember talking to a person who was like, my dream is to be a cop. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. How are you doing that? And they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, I'm sure there's like cop training or some schooling or they're like, oh, right. I was like, so have you, have you taken a degree in like trying to figure out how to be a cop? And they're like, no. Nope. <laughs> like, oh, why not? They're like, oh, that just sounds way too scary. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is, these are the kinds of things where I think if you can unblock yourself, and there are also people on the other end, like, you know, Cheryl Sandberg very famously talks about in her book, how a woman wanted to have a family and she'd already like picked the baby name and like prep the baby groom and she wasn't even dating anyone. So you can, you can <laughs> the, other, the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, you know, you're, you're ready. But, but I think, I think that that fear is a, is a big part of people's lives and finding a way to move, remove that fear, I think is, is a really important thing. And the third is, you know, people make really grand plans, but because we make really grand plans, because we're people who are, need motivation and inspiration, yeah. sometimes the, the baby steps to those plans are hard to figure out. So like the first win, the second win, the third win. And one of the things I tell couples, like sometimes I'll talk to couples who are like, oh my gosh, we're $250,000 in debt. And we just can't even figure out how to, you know, sort it out. I'm like, just break it down. The first thing is to say, on a month-to-month basis, are you positive? And they're like, oh, that feels so much less pressure than trying to figure out $250,000. Mind you, that's a scary amount of money. And it's not, it's, I'm not trying to minimize how they feel. But I think it's important to just say, how do you take the big vision and then break it down into smaller parts and say, okay, great. What's the first thing I have to do? What's the second thing I have to do? And the other thing I like to say is that do it with it as a team. So whether you're in a relationship or you have friends around you or you have, you want people to support you and guide you as you do these things, because it makes for a much more fun journey across or adventure, as I like to call it. Right, right. That's really awesome. And with those points, just through your life and whatnot, how has your, your definition of wealth maybe changed and what, what do you see as a wealthy life right now? So I actually told my husband the other day, I was like, man, I feel like my life's perfect. And he was like, what? You're so stressed out. You have so much going on. We have in the process of building a house. Like you're trying to figure out how to make any money. Like he was like, how can you call this perfect? And I was like, I know, but I think it's perfect. And what I mean by that is like, I feel like I'm, I'm pursuing my path. I feel like I'm surrounded by really incredible relationships I feel like I have, it's certainly not easy on a daily basis, but I feel like I am lucky to have the opportunities that I have and that I'm seizing them. So I'm, I'm, I'm 
feel that gratitude, but I also feel like I'm doing my part to push it ahead. And honestly, to me, that is a wealthy life. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. I and maybe that. the ability to buy a latte every morning, but. <laughs> there's oh, that. There's oh, that. <laughs> I love that. Just the simplicity of like really being grateful for where you are right now and also knowing that you are doing your part, you know, to kind of like, as you said earlier, like, like push the chip a little bit or just, you know, even it out a little bit, you know, to give other people a step stool, a leg up, you know, something that could help them also be able to pursue a better life. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. We are down to our quick 10 rapid fire questions. Let's do it. Questions that we ask our guests. Some of them are related to our podcast theme and some of them are not. Say the first thing that comes to your mind and we'll um, keep it quick and concise. Are you ready? Okay. Go, go, go. <laughs> All right. Number one, if you could choose one book to live by, what would it be? Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Cool. Mm -hmm. Personal hero, living or deceased, someone you know or maybe don't know. Oprah. Okay. All right, Oprah. <laughs> the one thing that you intentionally have to do every single day. Shower. Yep. <laughs> and everyone around you thanks you for that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, one hobby that you have to do every day or that brings you the most joy walking my dogs, taking care of them, hanging out with them. There's so much, there's so much positivity there. Oh, yeah, fun. Awesome. <laughs> Most rewarding thing you've done for someone in need. So actually I've been trying to do, I, I, as Corona's happened, uh, there've been a bunch of instances around us in our lives where we could help people out in very small ways, like, you know, continuing to give our house cleaners pay while they're not there or, prepay our dog walker because they won't have the cash flow or whatever it may be. A bunch of little, little things have come up. And I actually, what, one of the positive dynamics of this entire Corona thing is I feel like communities have really been coming together yeah. and, and, it, you know, like finally all the divisiveness that this country has been feeling across politics, especially, I feel like it's a little bit melting away and people are sort of reaching across and it's been fun to be able to contribute our small ways uh, towards that. That's awesome. awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, number six is first movie quote that comes to mind. Oh, well, I just watched Rush Hour 2. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, and Jackie Chan's comment to Chris Tucker, which he says, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? Are, for some reason, are stuck in my Always head. Always gets me. Always gets me, too. Do <laughs> you understand the words are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> All right. Um, last big purchase you made for yourself. Okay, so we have been staying with my cousins, and um, we, we have two dogs who insist on sleeping on our queen-size bed every night, which is just horrible for your sleep quality. But since we got here, we dragged one of their the dogs who typically live here. They're not here, but we took one of their beds into our bedroom, and our little dog has somehow, for some through some crazy black magic, decided that he's going to sleep on this bed and not on ours, which is like just magic in our mind. And so we went and we were like, we got to buy this bed, like whatever the hell it is, we got to buy it. And the dogs who typically live here are 200 pounds. So the bed is a humongous. And so we went to Amazon and paid an atrocious amount of money that I think is appropriate for a dog bed because we were like, we don't care. This is going to save our lives. Awesome. Priorities, you know? Priorities. Sleep is a priority. So there you go. Yeah, and we bought it last night, so it's very timely. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Number eight is a food you cannot live without. 
oh man, so many bubble tea, tiramisu, any dessert under the sun, uh, chocolate mango cake. Shake from the Philippines, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mango juice. Oh my God. <laughs> pasta, my husband's pasta. Ooh. <laughs> That's great. I feel right. like I could I could spend an hour answering just that question. <laughs> I'm happy to listen. I'm starving. So. <laughs> All right. What is your spirit animal? Oh man, so many good ones. I, so I personally love the panda, but I also love the hippo. So I grew up in East Africa, and we went on a lot of safaris, and we got to hang out with a lot of hippos. And they're just crazy animals, crazy animals. Like you do not mess with a hippo. And so <laughs> I, I sometimes joke that I'm like, I like to be like a panda, but I'm actually really a hippo. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, on a side note, there's a video game called The Division 2, and after you beat one of the levels, you can have a little hippo hang on the back of your back. Oh, my God. Burning around. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. I, I, I visited Tokyo once, and I I didn't know that they had hippos in their zoos. I had, like, the day of my life. I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so, awesome. so awesome. All right, number 10, the last one. Finish the sentence. If I'm stuck in an island by myself, dot, dot, dot. Oh man, I just talked about this the other day. I would, I would probably take, I would take my husband, I would take my dogs, and I would take my AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> to tune them nice. out at some point. <laughs> I love you guys, but it's mom's turn. <laughs> I'm on a call. I'm on a call. <laughs> I'm talking to me. I'm on a call. <laughs> That's amazing. So great. Awesome. So great. Well, we have loved our time with you. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's been awesome. Just two parting questions for you. Where can our listeners find out more about you? And if you were to encourage our listeners to give or serve into something, what would that be? So uh, you can learn more about us and what I'm up to at askzeta.com, A-S-K-Z-E-T-A.com. Um, and if there was something that I encourage you all to do, I would say it's to find your purpose. I think knowing what your purpose is creates a lot of peacefulness for you and a lot of happiness. It can help you drive towards happiness. And I think happiness is the thing we're all going after. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you guys. That's really amazing. That. Well, that was really a fun episode with Aditi. I really enjoyed chatting with her. What I love was just her thoughts on establishing like an organization, like a startup, a company. I love how she is really all about establishing the atmosphere of transparency that, you know, like as she said, they don't work with people with ego. It's just like a whole transparent thing where you say what you mean and you mean what, this, what you say. It's just a really cool um, atmosphere that she's building with her own company. Yeah, I definitely feel, you know, safe in there and whatnot. The other thing is I just love the tool that she's using to help couples really understand that everyone is different and it's okay. You mm-hmm. know, there there's going to be a lot of gurus out there telling you to do things one way or the other, but you've really got to look at yourself and this tool that she has really helps people and families balance out, you know, what's the best for them. Yeah, totally. So for our next episode... Well, next week we have Rebecca from My Big Fat Purse. And actually, since recording the episode, she has decided to take out her blog. She's not doing her blog anymore, but we feel that she should still be featured in one of her episodes because it was a still a really, really great chat with her. A lot of good, um, lot of good content um, on how she was able to manage her finances and her and her husband optimizing it and you know just working towards financial freedom. So I just thought that was really insightful as well. So make sure you check it out next week. And again, we are still running our book giveaway. 
and $25 gift card to Amazon. So make sure that you tune in and go to wildlywealthylife.com. Check out details on how to enter or go to Instagram and also on YouTube. So Wildly Wealthy Life. Make sure you also like, share, and subscribe so other people can take advantage of possibly free books and free yeah. Amazon gift cards. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wildly Wealthy Life. We hope that this episode has helped you take another step towards living fully, giving freely, and building a legacy that deeply impacts your community. We'd love to hear what you think about today's show. Please leave us a review or like us on iTunes and YouTube. And click the subscribe button so you won't miss a show. You can also visit us at wildlywealthylife.com for today's show notes. See you on our next episode. Thank you and may you live a wildly wealthy life.